G'day and welcome to the Pursuit of Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Rosie Burrows, and I'm on a journey to find my freedom so that I can help you do exactly the same. Join me each week as I share the stories of everyday people who have found their own path to freedom. I'm not going to focus on job titles and accolades because I don't care about that stuff and neither should you. I want to uncover what truly makes you tick. Who are you when you step away from society's expectations and follow your heart? I still haven't figured it out yet. Have you? Either way, buckle up because it's going to be one hell of a ride. All right. Welcome back to another episode of The Pursuit of Freedom. Joining me today is Ella Hoyos. She's a fiercely independent woman and a former career girl who took seven years away from the workforce to raise her family. Ella's a proud mum. She's a freelancer, a podcaster, and I really can't wait to dig into her story. Ella, hello. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope I did all right introducing you. I always feel a little bit strange trying to condense someone into one or two sentences. No, no, that's amazing. I'm glad you did it because sometimes it's nicer to hear from another person an introduction rather than be put on the spot and asked to introduce yourself. So (laughs) I'm delighted to be here with you. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited. And I know you just said you didn't want to be put on the spot to talk about yourself, but I have to ask, how would you describe Ella Hoyos? Like, who are you if we take away all the labels? Who would you say you are? Oh, wow. Well, I'm a creative spirit. Mm. I am a gregarious person. I love being with people. Mm -hmm. Um, That said, I'm very happy in my own company too. Um, I've got a wonderful family, so I'm definitely a family woman now with um, two young girls in tow husband I live in England um I'm an artist um but I don't practice my art as much as I'd like to however it's all about making time you know time and prioritizing but one of the things that I have been prioritizing over the last couple of years is my return to work Uh, journey uh, which we can talk about uh, um but yeah in a nutshell that's me I would say creative spirit and um a people person Yeah, I really relate to that creative spirit thing. And I as well don't practice the art or creative side as much as I'd like, but it's a work in progress. But let's touch on family and career, um, because you've said it's been a focus kind of finding your feet in the workforce again over the past few years. And I remember Mm -hmm. the first time I met you, you said that you think of life as BC and AC, before children and after children. So. Can you walk us through a bit of that? Like, let's just go back and and tell me what you mean by the BC and AC. Yeah. Well, it's funny, isn't it? People, people, they say, in inverted (laughs) commas and air quotes, they say your life changes when you have children, you know, profoundly. Uh. And I nodded along thinking, yeah, of course it does, you know. Um, But I hadn't realised kind of the impact that, that... bringing new life into the world actually has on on your own existing life until I did it and you have to live through that experience I think as um as a parent to really understand it I mean you can be told a hundred times that this is the way things are but I just I really believe that we do learn from our own experiences and you know when you read something in a book or watch something on tv yeah you can get a taste of it but you don't really feel it in the same depth 
or you, you can't. So I was I was unprepared for my um, journey into motherhood. I think, and despite thinking that I I knew it, you know, I knew the basics, I knew what to do, I knew the house to live in. I, I didn't know any of this stuff. It all became apparent afterwards in the with the beauty of hindsight, and and also with the beauty of hindsight, the, my own relationship with my own parents developed. Um, and I could sort of understand sometimes the way that they had been with me growing up. You know, when you're a teenager and all angst you have on certain topics and subjects and with your parents and, and things can be quite emotionally charged. Um, but it's only reflecting as becoming a parent myself and reflecting on how they were with me, I sort of understood a lot more about why that was, you know, the, yeah. the protective instinct, and they were just trying to look after me. And at the time, I was feeling attacked, mm -hmm. um, but actually, it was all in my best interest. So that's been interesting. So, yeah, um, I think the main shocker for me, if you like, when I had children was... Um, was the loss of independence mm. that I felt. And I hadn't really anticipated how hard that would be on me. So growing up, I've always been really fiercely independent, I think, even from a really young age as a toddler, I think aged three, um, my, my dad's cousin came to visit and I lived in the north of England and um, he, Graham, he was called, lived in the south of England. He was in London and he was a cabbie, a black cab driver. And he had this um, traditional hackney carriage, this glossy black um, taxi. And he came up to stay with us when I was little. And I was so taken, taken, captivated by this vehicle that he drove, this taxi. And, and I, I, I'd heard about London. I'd read the stories of Dick Whittington with my parents, you know, the... Um, the man who went to London with a knapsack on his back and he heard the streets were paved with gold. And I had this vision of this glamorous city and I wanted to go. And so when it was time for, you know, Graham's had his, his week with us and we'd had a lovely time, I, um, I packed my bags, my little suitcase that I had, and I, I waved goodbye to my mum and dad and I walked off down the drive and I put my <laughs> bag in. Like, I'm going with Graham to London, you know, I was off. <laughs> and um, my parents, you know, they humoured me. They, like, I think the story goes, and I found out later, that Graham drove me round the block and then dropped me back at home with my mum and dad. <laughs> By that point, I was inconsolable because I, was, I thought I was off, you know, to the big city. I was escaping. <laughs> so that was the kind of, you know, the start of my independent... Yeah. My independence, really. And I think as I was a bit older, when I was um, 11 or 12, I had a pen pal at school. They match you up with a pen pal. I had a Finnish pen pal from Finland and we had a lovely relationship writing letters and sending each other gifts and sweets and that sort of thing and when I was 14 I um, persuaded my parents to let me go to Finland and I went on my own on the aeroplane on my own yeah. and that was kind of a big adventure another big adventure so as a you know from early days I was ready to set sail I was happy to fly you know fledge the nest and um and as soon as I was old enough and I'd Sort of done my education bit my parents both being teachers uh, they wanted me to have a good education but as soon as I'd, I'd done that um, I was off to London that's where I wanted uh -huh. to go so I've always prided myself on being independent you know it's been one of my sort of values and things and, and also growing up with influences like I don't know Madonna was mm -hmm. a pop star that I used to idolize when I was younger you know she's like Miss Independent Woman I guess it's um 
there are other role models like that now for young girls but it was always earn your own money make your own way in the world Mm -hmm. um you can do whatever you want to do just get on with it um and that's what I did, and, and that's what I did for many years. And I had that London career, um, which I built up. I've always worked in marketing, public relations, communications, but I've had different jobs in the city. But not being a city girl, um, I there came a time, probably about, it was between 10 and 15 years in, where London, I was getting tired of London. I wanted a different life. and. I I was getting to that point where I'd like to meet someone and settle down. I was in my early 30s when I met my now husband. Um, and he wasn't from London either. So when we met and settled down and realised that this was going, you know, this was good, we moved out. We moved if, uh, not too far out to the next county, Hertfordshire. It was still commutable. Mm-hmm. And from there, I suppose, we dated for a while. We got engaged for about a year. We bought a house. We got married and then a year after that we had our first child and at the time that was it was amazing that was what I wanted at that moment in time and for years I've been in the job jobs as well where I yeah I've been working hard for over a decade probably 15 years Mm. full-time work earning my own way um London was an expensive city to live in so money never went that far I didn't have that much disposable I did have disposable income but but once rent had been paid and all the bills you know so I was sort of getting tired I was ready to sort of stop and do something else and starting a family and meeting my husband um they were all good indicators for me that it was time to do something different and that's what we did we started a family and at that time as well, I think I had rose-tinted glasses on. I was looking at all, you know, it's, it's one of these things when you um, spot, when you want something, when you desire something, you can start to see it everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I'd be leaving work in, in the lunch break and I'd be going out um, in the town where I worked and I'd see women pushing prams and I'd think, oh. I want a bit of that. That looks wonderful. You're yeah. not going back to an office. You don't have to slog out your guts out on a deadline this afternoon. You're just, you know, going around the park with baby and how wonderful, what a lovely lifestyle. I'd like a bit of that too. But there's another side behind all these stories and images that you don't necessarily see, you know. Um, and when I gave up my career and started a family, um, that's when it really dawned on me that, hang on, this is not the... Um, picture perfect scenario I thought yeah. it was and that loss of independence loss of earning my own money it's mm. quite hard mm. so can I ask what does independence mean to you because I'm hearing themes of you've mentioned money just then which is something I strongly resonate with when I'm not earning <laughs> it it does feel like a loss of independence I know for some people it's not important but I also see independence very much tied to my freedom. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on what does independence mean to you? Mm. Well, I guess I'm definitely defining it as being financially independent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there is a freedom aspect to it too. You know, the freedom to roam, the freedom to make your own decisions. Um, if I, before children, BC, if I wanted to go to an art gallery or a museum or and before my husband actually because he's not really into the same things as me in that respect you know I could just get up and go out jump on a train jump in the car whatever do those things but 
as soon as I got married, I started to learn that everything was a compromise now. And I, it was a compromise that I was very happy to go into. And we've got loads of stuff in common. And there's loads of mutually agreeable activities <laughs> and things that we do together. And it's wonderful. Um, and I wouldn't have it any other way. But I did notice that I, I was less independent in that things had to be agreed now. I was part of a team. It, this yes. is a team decision about what we're going to do today. And does my husband want to go to an art gallery with me? No. All right, then we'll, so we'll think of something else to do. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. A bit of that. Or we go our separate ways and, and do independent things. So, yeah, there's an element of sort of adventure, I think, that comes with independence as yeah. well. Um, and it was the same when I had children, it was, hang on a minute, I can't just waltz out of the house like I used to. I can't just, we can't just go to that restaurant we want to on a midweek night because, like, who's going to look after the kids? How are we yeah. going to manage it? Do we want to take them with us? You know, it's that. So, yeah, freedom, finance and freedom, that's how I view independence. Mm. And, and with it comes a sense of travel as well and exploration. Yeah, yeah. The adventure side and from what I've heard so far from you you seem like a really free-spirited person you know that craves that adventure and doing the exciting thing what did you expect parenthood to be like or had you not thought that far ahead it's really hard to visualize something sometimes yeah in advance I thought parenthood would be um, I thought maternity leave, these early days of parenthood, would be having a small child to feed and look after and cuddle and nurture, um, all wonderful, uh, to take for walks in the park and the pram and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, but I also thought that there'd be a lot of sleeping and nap times and <laughs> time for me. So I was really into um, dressmaking at mm. the time when my baby was born. Um, I've been doing sewing classes uh, in London for several years. I've become quite um, adept at sewing and dressmaking. I loved it. I thought perhaps this was a new career venture for me that I could explore whilst on maternity leave. I'd made my own wedding dress. I made my bridesmaid wow. dresses. I loved, I love dressmaking. I love fabrics. I love textures. I love the colours. I, I, you know, um, that was something that I thought I'd have loads of time to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> But no, I had a very small dependent baby who needed feeding all the time and you could hardly have a shower when you were a new mum. Uh, husband was out at work um, for some of this time as well. But when you're a new mum, you can barely go to the toilet. You can mm. barely do anything um, without the baby needing your attention in some way. So that was hard, you know. Um, that was a hard pill to swallow that these rose-tinted glasses that I'd be wearing of, of how much time I would have on my hands, time at home, time to do my own things, um, that that wasn't true. Uh, and nobody prepared me for that. Mm. Um, nobody prepared me for that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's not something that's spoken about a lot. I mean, I, I'm not a mother, but I I feel like... When people have children, I mean, with my close friends, they do share with me the tough times. But just generally, people talk about all the good stuff and how wonderful it is. And I'm just yeah. wondering, why why isn't there more real talk? I feel like people should be helping each other prepare for this. It's a huge life transition. Yeah, yeah. 
I I don't know. And have I shared my story much with other parents? Well, not really. People do want to hear the good things. They want to see the, the smiling baby pictures on Facebook. They want to, I guess it would have, would it have helped me? I think I still have to live this experience yeah. myself. Um, I don't know how I could have, would I have done anything differently looking back? I'm not sure that I would have. Um, mm. I don't know. Even things like the house that we lived in, we thought, when my husband and I bought this house together, it was a lovely Victorian terrace house. We thought, what a perfect family house. I mean, mm-hmm. it had three bedrooms um, and then this little attic room, which could have been a fourth bedroom chair. I think it had four bedrooms. So it's a, it was a larger house than we'd ever lived in before. In London, we lived in flats and apartments. Yeah. Um, so we thought we bought this perfect family house. Um, but when baby came along, we very quickly realised that our house was kind of unsuitable. <laughs> it had... It had all these little half staircases. It was an oh, old build. No. Um, it, and it, like, it had seven, if you counted up the floors, it had seven floors with these wow. little half stairs. So there were stairs everywhere. Stairs and toddlers don't really mix, you know. <laughs> um, also, you have equipment when you have a baby. You know, you have prams and mm-hmm. car seats and jungle gyms and all sorts of big, bulky stuff. And if you live in a... A small house or a house with lots of stairs, you know, it's really hard to get out if you're trying to go anywhere. I used to have to run up several flights of stairs because I'd forgotten a nappy or, (laughs) you know, left something in the nursery or whatever. So, but very quickly, actually, um, we moved, we moved to a different part of the country. Um, My husband gave up his job in London. He resigned from that. And um, we decided to take a big lifestyle change and move closer to family in Norfolk. Mm. And we ended up renting a bungalow um, here, which I never intended to, expected to live in a bungalow, but it was a family-owned property, and it's in a gorgeous location um, next to a water gardens, um, which is like a tourist attraction that my mother-in-law owns. So it has a huge garden, loads of space. It was detached. It was in the countryside. It's just idyllic and actually super easy to live in with a baby because we are mm-hmm. all on the same level and there's no mm-hmm. stairs to fall down or um it and it was a big white cube and it's got a lovely garden for kids to play in so mm-hmm. so that changed that changed and now it's but i wouldn't i didn't know that i didn't know it's funny what you learn looking back yeah absolutely and can you tell us a bit about how you felt at that time because I imagine it was a bit of a conflict between the overwhelming joy of being a new mother and the struggle as well that came along with that the feeling of losing your independence but then also this big lifestyle change and moving into a beautiful bungalow so what was your state of mind like during that time um you're right it's kind of conflicting and sometimes when you're living in the moment you don't you know, you don't, you're not really aware of that. I was just day by day doing doing what I needed to do as a mm. new mum, look after baby. I had a new home to decorate, another creative project. This this house was like a blank canvas when we moved in, which was my dream. Yeah. I could decorate it anyway. I wanted to choose the colours and the furnishings and stuff for the rooms. And I was busy making curtains and you know, turned my dressmaking into curtain making, things like that. We've got huge windows in this property. Mm. Um so I was really busy and then I didn't have time really to reflect on anything at that point other than I was just, you know, I was happy. I was doing what I wanted to do at the time, which is family family stuff, um, raise baby, have a nice house, 
all those things. Rob, my husband, was off work on paternity leave then, <laughs> well, on this extended paternity leave, if you like, because he'd resigned from his job and yeah. we had some money in savings. So I, had a, I enjoyed that first baby. And this is such an honour and a privilege, but I enjoyed five months of him at home while he was trying to mm-hmm. set up a new career for himself here in Norfolk. But me, I was quite happy and content to be a stay-at-home mum at that time. Right. It was only several years later um, and baby number two came along sort of six or seven years into my parenting journey that I was starting to get uncomfortable with um, my loss of career and the thought of how... I couldn't even think the thought, how am I going to get back into work at some point? Mm. It was this realisation that being a stay-at-home mum isn't what it's cracked up to be. I learned that early on. It's it's different. It's not as gloss as as wonderful as it seems, you know. Mm. Um, and the sense of achievement. I I was I had I had a loss. I didn't feel a sense of achievement at the end of each day. Right. Um, and sometimes people say to you, you know, it's great. We kept your baby alive and well fed, then you're winning. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> we're going to keep the baby and alive and well fed. You know, it's not like we can't. I can't do that. But it was that. What was in it for me? You know, yeah. yes, I cooked the meals and cleaned the house and made it. You know, but what was in it for me? And the kids were happy. Um, so that it was at that time I became aware that I wanted to get back to work, but I wasn't sure how. I felt like I'd left my career behind, and I had left my career behind um, back in Hertfordshire and, and London, you know. And I now lived in a rural part of the country where the, it's very agricultural around here. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I was a sort of farm labourer or... I don't know, horticulturist or something like that, then perhaps there'd be more jobs for me. But there certainly weren't those office jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, the city is a long commute and I couldn't be away from home for that length of time because I had to do the school run or the nursery run or the play group or the, you know, whatever responsibilities. And during that time when I was at home, I found little other little endeavours to take part in. So I, I had a craft business uh, mm. making bespoke Christmas stockings, say, at Christmas time. I ran playgroups and I, I did little things for myself in that respect and that was fun and good to do but it wasn't the sort of stuff that earned great money um, and it wasn't the vision that I had well I didn't really have a vision I suppose at that point mm. I'd got a bit lost mm. I'd got a bit lost in the whole parenting journey and I didn't know how I was going to get back and that became quite a painful thing for me to think about so I didn't I just buried my head in the sand and think oh, I'll figure it out another day mm-hmm. um, I used to do a lot of writing before kids I was a magazine editor and a newspaper editor um, but the the shine had worn off people said to me why don't you be a blogger be a blogger blog on your family life you know and to say, like, mm-hmm. I didn't again I didn't know how I didn't explore it enough I think I was just a bit cut off to for some reason yeah i've been i've become more cut off to opportunities i wasn't seeing the opportunities i was only seeing the limitations um and i had some limiting limiting thoughts really that were holding me back and i wasn't even aware of them at that time for example living in a small village um there weren't a lot of there's a school in our village there's a pub there's no shops it's a 10-minute drive to the nearest shop and there's no child minders. There was no one to look after the kids except for me and that mm-hmm. became a barrier. 
I can't get a job because who's going to do the school run? I can't go back to work because I can't be out of the house for any length of time because my husband's already, you know, out. Mm-hmm. There's no one to look after the children. I couldn't see past these barriers and they became a wall that, that penned me in, I suppose. In 2020, just mm-hmm. before the pandemic, um, I was kind of feeling like I was at my wits end a bit. I knew I wanted to get back to work. I didn't know what I would do. I didn't know what that looked like. I just knew that I needed to do something for me again, mm-hmm. something that would earn some money, something that would give me a sense of achievement. Um, and it was during that time um, online that I discovered a community called Tech Pixies. Mm-hmm. And Tech Pixies was a group, it's run by an American lady called Joy Foster. She's really amazing. But she's based in the UK. She's a former Olympian, Olympic uh, archer. Wow. She married an Olympic rower (laughs) and they live in Oxfordshire. And she set up a company called Tech Pixies. And that was, it's purely with the intention of helping women return to work, change careers or start a business. Mm Mm-hmm. And at that point, that really spoke to me. And the course teaches social media. And social media is one of the marketing skills that had moved that I didn't necessarily have a, a really good grasp on. Yes, I had a Facebook account and I had various other accounts, but I, I didn't really know how to use them to the fullest potential. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought I could learn social media with Tech Pixies because I'm a woman who wants to change career, start a business or return to work. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know which one. I want to do one of those, all of those things. Yes, please. Um, and that was the best move I could have made. Um, and yes, I learned how to use social media sort of professionally and to build a to build a business and to get visible online. But actually, the course came with a package of life coaching, and I didn't know what life coaching was particularly. I mean, I'd heard about it, but I didn't know what value it had. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I was there for the social media. Um, but actually, the, the life coaching bit was the most valuable part of this course because it was through there that I started to examine all these thoughts and realize that I am not my thoughts. I might think this thought about not being able to return to work, not getting childcare, but that, that, I, that doesn't have to be the truth. You know, the right. truth is there are options. Mm-hmm. The truth is I need to ex- explore them. So this package of life coaching covered things like um, imposter syndrome, feelings of overwhelm, um, perfectionism, all these sort of niggling things that can happen in our subconscious really we're not aware of it mm. that was really helpful to explore some of those mindset things that have been going on in my head rattling mm. around for these last few years and to to start to see through them and see beyond them that these things don't have to hold me back I just need to acknowledge and become aware of them and refute them if they're not true you know is there another way is this really the truth or is there another way and then I could reframe those situations and those stories that I've been telling myself and that helps me build up and it was at that point I realized how low my self-esteem had got Mm. in those years of being a stay-at-home mum and with every sort of passing year I felt more removed from the workplace. I felt less worthy. I felt who would want to employ me now because I'm rusty. (laughs) Mm -hmm. My skills are rusty and things have moved on and technology's moved on. So it was really helpful to to start to realise that I'd been sort of got myself in this rut and to have some tools and to start to create some strategies and tools to be able to build my way out of that. 
and to mm. find a new way and to envisage a new life for myself with the addition of my lovely children. Yeah. What would you say was the biggest mindset shift that you had to do or the biggest kind of wall that you had to break down? Because I know for me, I've got so many barriers that I create for myself, you know, but was there a couple of major ones for you that you really had to to push through? Well, definitely the one that um, I've got children, therefore I can't do anything Mm. but mother my children. Was there a significant moment? I'm not sure. That might come to me. I'm sure there were some pivotal moments where I thought, ah, this is it's a sort of niggly thing that ebbs yes. away. Um, but the realisation that the thoughts I think, just because I've thought that thought, it doesn't mean it's the truth. Yeah. We, uh, yeah. Sometimes we're just so busy living our lives and being affected by things that are happening around us and feeling powerless and like oh, this stuff is happening to me feeling like a victim it's the but I learned that no I, d- I don't have to feel like I have got some control I've got much yes. more power and control than I think I have mm. you know um, I've got if I want to get back to independence I can there's nothing stopping me what's stopping me I'm the only person stopping me it's right. not, not my husband stopping me yeah. yeah he's got his job and his life and his career that's fine he wants me to have whatever I want. Um, so he's not saying to me, Ellie, you've got to stay at home with the kids. He's just doing his thing. <laughs> um, and I need to figure out a way for me. And that's what I started to do. Um, and it was things like some of the barriers that I created in my head with, I can't get a job. My The jobs that I want, the jobs that are appeal to me are in the city. They're in Norwich. Norwich is an hour's drive hmm. each way. Um, therefore... I can't have a job. It was very black and white thinking. I can't have a job that I want because I can't drive to Norwich. Mm -hmm. Well, hello, internet. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, world. There's a world here, right, through my um, PC screen. And actually through being with Tech Pixies, which was an online community, and doing Zoom calls. And this was just before the pandemic kicked in. Obviously, the pandemic accelerated things, and all of a sudden, everybody's working from home and on Zoom calls. But Mm -hmm. that was really liberating, just knowing that I could be with other people in the comfort of my own home. Mm-hmm. I'd never tried anything like that before Tech Pixies. And all of a sudden I was really comfortable in that space and I was getting real um, satisfaction out of having, uh, meeting new people, making yeah. friends online and having really good relationships with people as if, I mean, as if we were in the same room or whatever. There's a lady now that I do a podcast with that she was a Tech Pixie. She started on the same cohorts me oh wow she lives in Surrey for two years we've worked together doing a podcast uh well doing tech pixies course doing social media for the past one year we've been doing a podcast together I only met her about eight months in from doing that podcast we only met in real life in December um 2022 but it was as if we'd known each other for all that time it it was as if we'd known each other for a long time so you know the depth of relationship was there even though it had been born online yeah. Um, so that's been really revelation. And and working with online businesses, I realised that I can, I've had to make my own, I've started my own business now. So I have a company called Flurry Marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, it leans into all my past experience in marketing and communications. Um, I'm a launch strategist and I'm a copywriter. So I tend this to work is- with people who are creating online courses 
um, and I help them sell their courses and do their email sequences and sales pages and things like that build a bit of a strategy to to help them launch online so I work with other online business owners and this means that I have been able to return to work when I've done it in my way that that suits me I can still do the school run I can still take the kids to after school clubs I can still be as present with the well perhaps not as present these days because I am spending a lot of time working on my business yeah but the children are around me and I'm at home still Mm -hmm. so there there was a solution it was under my nose all the time I don't know why I couldn't see it (laughs) um (laughs) but it's only from this sort of journey online and with help and accepting help I think being willing to to acknowledge the fact that I had a problem and being brave enough to ask for help yeah um again I think this is a downside of of having that independent mindset is that you know I feel I've always felt like I've had to do if I want it's that old saying if you want a job done properly you do it yourself yourself, feeling that I have to go it alone and you know I don't know where that feeling came from but to try and do everything alone is really, really hard, you know. It's And it's and lonely. It's, it's lonely, yeah. It's lovely to work with other people. It's lovely to collaborate. You know, I think it's sort of saying, if you want to go fast, go it alone. If you want to go far, <sighs> do it with a team. I can't remember the saying now. But anyway, <laughs> I, I much prefer to work with a team. I mean, yeah. I, I'm happy in both situations. Um, but I do love to collaborate and I, I now will reach out for help. Mm. Um, I know how much Tech Pixies helped me starting on my journey. Um, since that was a kind of, um, gateway course into what became a bit of a, a course addiction. I've, I've taken so many online courses. I've got yeah. a database of about 70 different online courses because wow. I love learning. Yeah. <laughs> and not all of them are paid, but I've invested, I have invested money in my own rebuilding my career as well and mm. learning new skills. Um, and that's all been great that's all been super valuable but now you know I'm happy to work with coaches and you know even even things like getting a cleaner at home for years I I resisted doing anything like that because I thought I had to do it myself I always thought I had to do everything myself but actually we have a a zone of genius where we should be spending our time Um, for me it's on creative pursuits it's on writing it's on uh, marketing and there are other peripheral, per, there are other things that are not that we can spend a lot of time on, but give us very little in return. Right. Um, and so it's be able to prioritise. Okay, this is where I should be spending my time, and this is where somebody else can do it. This is a task that I can delegate. But working with mentors and coaches has, has definitely helped me, and being in communities um, with other like-minded women has helped me a lot. Mm. I realise that my story is definitely not unique. There are many women who find it challenging um, either starting a family or they've started a family and they find it challenging having children or they find it, you know, uh, challenging returning to work, which is what, Mm. where I found my biggest challenge. Something I want to dive into is you know, you've mentioned you've got like seven, a catalogue of 70 courses that you've sort of got and you've really <laughs> invested in yourself. And I'm such a big advocate for investing in yourself. Is this something that you've always done? And what what's that journey been like for you? Yeah. No, it's not something I've always done. You know, I've I've always had education, you know, living in this country, they say it's like buying a, 
winning a lottery. And it is, you know, I've always had an education that has been provided. I didn't have to pay for that, that was free. Okay, when I got to university, that was a bit different. But so far it was given to me on a plate. It was given to me and it was... And when I went into work, I got training on the job and I was an employee and I uh, I took home a salary and I didn't have to work as hard back then as I do now with my, my own business. But because I've had reinvented and I've carved out this career for myself um, on my terms, it does come at a, a price. You know, I've had to learn skills, the skills that I've, I've needed to, to learn have I always invested in myself? I have, but not always in, in business education, which is where, I'm, mm. where I've been putting my money in recent years. Um, when I learned to sew, for example, that was a hobby that turned into a real passion. Um, I invested in myself then. I think it is important, you know, to, to keep learning and to keep your mind active and to follow your passion and pursue right. you know, I, I do these things because it makes me happy because I'm mm. always chasing that happiness and um, if there's if I can get assistance and help on the way or if I can accelerate that journey through an online course or through paying for some art material so I can take art classes or whatever it is that floats my boat in that current time then then um, yeah I'd say do it and I like to and a lot of the money that I earn now from through my business and through my clients I'd say I'd say maybe up to 20% of that has gone back into reinvesting in mentorship or awesome. courses or coaching mm-hmm. in, um, to support me. I need support and I'm happy to pay for that support because it, I know that it will achieve a greater good. It will help me where I'm going and I can serve, you know, if, I, if my cup's full and overflowing, then I can help other people too. Exactly. One more thing I want to touch on is fear because I think a lot of women are scared to take the next step, scared to put themselves first, to invest in themselves and even entertain the idea of, for example, you've started your own business, you're working from home, you know, you're you're doing all these exciting things. So what would you say to people who are scared right now and uh, and it's holding them back from moving forward i fear is a good thing mm. <laughs> fear is a sign that you should follow your fear because fear is telling you something it's a message it's it, it's it's telling you that something doesn't feel if something feels scary it's probably the thing that you need to tackle mm. um i've had to really push out of my comfort zone many times over and the more you do it the more it builds confidence as well the more mm-hmm. you push through something uncomfortable whether it's a thought process or whether it's taking an action um and you do that thing and you realize that you didn't die <laughs> it wasn't as bad as perhaps you've been building it up in your head mm-hmm. you know it, it does give you confidence so i think you know you've got to follow your fear your fear is like um it's a constant for me it's a constant companion it's always there even when even when seemingly on the outside everything's going well um, I've got a lovely family I live in a lovely house you know I've got this career whatever um fear's always lurking there in the background and I think you know Elizabeth Gilbert said it really well in her book called Big Magic um, which is a book about creativity and mm. she's a writer invite your fear to come along for the journey it can be the passenger uh in your car but never 
it must never take the controls. You're in control. You've got the steering wheel. And you can say to your fear, listen, you're here with me. You're fine to come along for the ride. I'm not going to deny you, um, but I'm in charge, okay? So you've got to put it in its place. There's a saying at Tech Pixies that we use, which is um, about pulling on your brave pants. If you've got to do something big and scary, you pull on your virtual brave pants and just, yeah. just do it. Yeah. Just give it a go. So, yeah. And I mean, it sounds like it paid off for you, right? Giving it a go and, yeah. you know, not letting fear take yeah. charge. Mm. No, I think just, you know, small steps in the right direction. Having a vision really helps. Really getting clear on what you want. It's very easy when you're in a sort of low mood, feeling not very confident. It's easy to think of all the things that are wrong in your life. It's very hard sometimes to see, you know, I could list all the things that I don't like and I don't want but could I list the things that I do want did I actually know for a long time I was living in this sort of no man's land where I didn't know what was coming next I hadn't really thought that far ahead mm. um, so I've had to you know do some visioning work some visioning exercises and I revisit this at least annually where I'll create a bit of a vision board I'll listen to um, you can you know find a guided meditation um on youtube or something like that and just sort of envisage what you'd really like and get really clear about that because if you don't have a sense of where you're going then you know any path can take you there i think once you've got a sense of direction and a clear goal or lifestyle that you want to aim for mm -hmm. um, then you can start taking baby steps in that direction um and when i think about the vision that i want i try to break it down into different quadrants you know it's about health and well-being it's about relationships and love it's about um money and wealth you know it's it's, it's about different aspects of your life because yeah your life is one whole we're we it's one whole and everything impacts on everything else so if one thing's out of whack um it can affect you in so many other areas so it's about having a vision that's really encompasses mm. all of the things you want in your life um, mm -hmm. and and taking little action steps towards that and i i you know i try and be intentional in my day now where i wake up and i think like, what is it that i want to achieve today what one thing will take me towards my goal what would it look like if it was easy what's that one thing i can do if it is a big and scary thing that i don't want to do how can i break it down and make it manageable and just perhaps take one little action towards that. That's such good advice. I think, yeah, setting that direction and even just letting yourself dream a little and go, okay, where do I want to be? Um, yeah. How are you dream possibly going to get? Right, yeah, I think it's yeah. great. And some people think it's it, it's unrealistic. And yes, it can be, but I would much rather dream and move towards something than not dream and just think no I yeah. can't do it yeah I, I think it when you doing the visioning exercises and things like that it, it really helps to you have to set aside those limiting things you know mm. those oh I couldn't possibly and there's no point of me even thinking I can do that because right. I couldn't possibly don't put barriers up just have the dream just say what would I really love in my life what would I love forget how I'm going to get there that's that's not important you know you can figure that out later yeah but as long as you have a clear vision it's amazing once you start you know ask the universe for what you want it's amazing what opportunities can present themselves mm -hmm. you know i've seen that with other women on the programs that i'm in that you know if you have a dream and you can dream big enough 
you can if you focus on it and and question all those negative thoughts and all those automatic negative thoughts that say no you'll never do that you know question is that really true there may be another way i think you've got to stay open to the possibility mm. that it could happen but what if it did happen right what if, how would your life change um i think anything's possible yeah um I think some of the things that have really helped me in the last few years on this journey of being taking up meditation and taking up yoga <laughs> and becoming aware of my sort of spiritual well-being as well as just, you know, the logical way to achieve success is by yeah. getting a well-paid career and da-da-da. Uh-huh. There's, there's so much more to it than that. And I, I take a little bit of time where I can. I don't do it daily, but I'd like to. Um, doing yoga and just being aware, be getting into my body, being aware of, of how I'm sitting, how the energy's moving within my body, how I'm breathing, giving myself a little space for mind and body relaxation and, and resetting. Just, just taking a little bit of time for yourself in the day, quiet time, reflective time. Um, I do journaling as mm. well. Again, it's not a daily thing, but it... it, it um, is a regular habit of mine and I will just write down whatever comes to mind, good or bad, just get it out on paper because it starts to clarify my thoughts and it just gives me a little bit of headspace. So, so if I, if my brain is racing, for example, I wake up, my brain's racing with all the things that I've got to do today and I'm feeling stressed, I'm feeling anxious, sometimes just getting that all out of my head and onto paper <laughs> helps. It helps me to clear some space. It's like, right, I've, I've parked those things. They're there. They can stay there. Now, let me get on with, you know, what I want to do. <laughs> let me take yeah. one thing out of that big, long diatribe that I've just, you know, but let me get it out of my head and clear some space so that I can find space to do the thing that's really going to mm. move the needle, that's really going to move me forward. So those two things have really helped with my mindset. Meditation, I use an app called Waking Up. And for a long time, I resisted. For a long time in my life, I resisted anything like yoga and meditation. I didn't even know what that was, other than it's a bit woo and it's not really me and I haven't got time for that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just make time. I just say to anyone, no matter how skeptical you are, just perhaps just try. Yeah. I, I'm always up for just trying something new. Yeah. Right? Variety is the spice of life for me. I'd love to I love to try new things. But honestly, I've just found those two things really helpful in getting in the right headspace to tackle mm. the big scary projects and, yeah. and uh, make light of what seemed like a mountain to climb. Yeah. It, it, it can make it feel lighter. Definitely. And you know what stands out so much for me is that all these things you're talking about, it's all working on yourself it's doing that inner work we're not talking about tactical things about setting up a business that stuff's important or whatever it is people want to do but that inner work is so important if you had a take-home message you had to say in a couple of sentences for people what would you say what should they be keeping in mind if they're wanting to embark on a similar journey to you Question your thoughts. Always question your thoughts. Um, Don't believe what comes to you just because you've thought it doesn't mean it's true. Ask yourself, you know, is this really true? Does it have to be this way? Is there another way? What can I do today to take 
step in the right direction you know, <laughs> to take a step towards the life that I want and do that one thing and end the day with a bit of gratitude and reflection just looking back and thinking where's the win today what did I do that 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 was that one step towards the life I wanted and yeah. be grateful for that be grateful that you're taking the next step mm. do the next right thing yeah and just putting one foot in front of the other is enough it doesn't have to be massive mm. the little wins count for so much they do yeah question everything and the little wins count right that's two things that just mm-hmm. stood out to me from what you just said then Thank you so much, Ella. I could keep talking to you for hours. You've dropped so much value in this episode and I really look forward actually to going back through it and editing. I love listening to these conversations again. So thank you so much and I hope we talk again soon. Thank you, Rosie. It's been wonderful. If this episode resonated with you at all, could I please ask that you share it with a friend who you think could get value from it? And whilst you're doing that, make sure you follow and subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss another episode. And whilst you're following or subscribing, please leave us um, a rating, preferably five stars, and also a written review. Doing each of these things is going to help this podcast reach more people and impact more lives, which is at the end of the day is what we're here to do. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Remember, you matter, you're worth it, and you are so, so capable. Take care of yourself, and I'll see you next week.